The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Stagno. Yes, I'm really a doctor. Not the kind that works with patients, though, but the scientist kind. Specifically, I'm a structural biologist. I study the structures of proteins and nucleic acids to determine how they function in living systems and in disease. But I'm also a Christian who believes in a personal, loving God who created the universe. People ask me all the time, how can you believe in God in the Bible's account of creation while still holding to scientific principles? Oh, hey, didn't see you there. As a PhD, you can imagine, I've read a lot of books. But the most important book in my life by far is the Bible. And so I'm often asked, do you really believe that the Bible is reliable, historically accurate, and has actual bearing on our lives today? You see, I have found that science overwhelmingly supports my faith in God rather than opposes it. So when people ask me, do you really believe in all this stuff? My answer is yes, really. Why do we have to believe in God by faith? And the key there is by faith. Like what? What other part of your life do you have to just take by faith? I mean, I'm married. I actually saw my wife, my bride, coming down the altar. She physically stood there as we exchanged vows. We put a ring on each other's finger, and it's really obvious that we're married. There's like little faith involved. I'm a dad. I don't take that by faith. Like early in the morning, I hear a baby crying. He's mine. Not by faith, actually and he wants to be fed, and it's shocking, multiple times a day. I don't mow my lawn by faith. The grass grows, it demands to be mowed. I don't go to work and get my work done by faith. I sometimes by faith believe that the paycheck is gonna come, but the work is not by faith. I mean, it actually has to get done. And so you look at it and you think, here's what I'm wrestling with. God, eternity, afterlife, the most eternally significant and consequential decision of our life is whether we believe in Jesus by faith. I mean, it has the most profound implications and we have to do it all by faith. I mean, if it's true, why would God leave it up to faith? And so then that creates a wrestling match in all of us. I um, was thinking there's this, uh, you know, maybe for many of you, you have this view of God, uh, like, you know, where is God? Maybe God is like this great wizard of Oz hiding behind a curtain of religion, and you're all just kind of like insecurely like, yeah, I believe this, but, but man, I don't want to like argue with non-believers because I'm not sure I really know what I believe or why I believe it, or I don't think I could really defend what I believe. And it's challenging because when you open the Bible, the document, 66 compiled books, all making up one, one total package that is what we believe to be sacred history. The story of God and the story of how God interacts with man, it doesn't open with an introduction. It doesn't open with a defense of God. This is how the whole thing opens. Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God. And you're, so it kind of begins with the statement, and you just have to take it at face value. You can take it or leave it, but it's there. 
And, and then jump all the way ahead, go from Genesis 1-1 all the way toward the end of the Bible. So I'm going to spend a little, I'm going to spend today camped out in this letter written to the Hebrew church, meaning to converts from Judaism to Christianity. And in that letter, the author is writing and he makes an even bolder statement. So it's not just in the beginning God, but Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So not only in the beginning God, but if you don't have faith in God, you can't please God. And if you don't please God, no heaven for you. And so if you're wrestling with your faith, if maybe you're like me and you've had seasons where you're like, wait, God, are you there? Are you not there? I'm not sure. And, and I don't want to take a chance. And then like, bam, now I spend forever in eternal judgment. But I'm wrestling, and maybe you feel insecure about your faith. Maybe you believe, but you feel like you're just believing blindly. You haven't really thought deeply about this. Maybe you have thought deeply, and then you stop thinking deeply because it got a little bit complicated and convoluted. God is a little bit of that Wizard of Oz hiding behind the curtain. Maybe, maybe you're wrestling with this whole, you know, this you know, several, you know, 150-year-old author, Frederick Nietzsche, who wrote in his parable of Madman, a parable about what it's like in a world without God. Frederick Nietzsche, an atheist, who is giving a bleak reality, and in his parable, he simply says, God is dead, for we have killed him. And you, you maybe are wrestling with what are the implications of science and God and where does God fit and what does it mean to live by faith and why do I have to take this by faith? Why isn't God obvious? I mean, if there is a real God, why isn't he embedded and at work in everything and why can't I see him anywhere and everywhere and why isn't this provable? Why can't I use the scientific formula to, to extract God out of universe and then say there he is? And so as a result, we wrestle with this in our own insecurities, our own doubts, in our own fears. And while you're wrestling with it, there is a whole generation that has rejected not just God, but religion. In fact, there is this growing segment of our population called nons. They are non-affiliated. They would not affiliate with any religious group, and they would not affiliate with any non-religious group. They call themselves, well, they wouldn't call themselves, but uh, sociologists categorize them now as nons. And maybe you're in that category, and you're like, hey, now at least I know where I fit. I haven't known what to call myself, but now I know I'm a non. Or maybe you have a family member, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, and you're like, now I know what they are. So these are the group of people that say, I am not religious, but also not non-religious. I just don't want to affiliate with anything. I see God and church and religion as irrelevant, but worse, this category of nons doesn't just see the church and religion as irrelevant, they see it as the problem. And this is a growing group. Uh, in the last decade, this, the number of people who refer to themselves as nons or categorize themselves as nons has increased from 16 to 23% of our American population. That is millions of people. Not just millions of people who are rejecting religion, but millions of people who are walking away from the Christian faith. And specifically within the millennial generation, that's people born between the age, between uh, 1980 and 2000. Some of you are like, hey, that's me. Um, or maybe you have a child that fits in the millennial category. Maybe you have coworkers. Within the millennial generation, 35% of them would categorize themselves as nons, meaning they're just totally non-affiliated. Don't, I don't want to be labeled with anything. And, and here is, when you look at this group of people, they're saying, I reject religion, and as a result inadvertently rejecting God. And, and here, is the, here is the 
struggle. You can't move away from one thing without moving toward something else. That doesn't mean you fully agree with what you're moving toward. It just means by virtue of moving away from one thing, you have to be moving toward something else. If I'm on my way to the store and I, and I get a text from my wife, never mind, you don't need to go buy milk. I turn around, I'm going away from the store. I'm also heading toward something else. You have to, right? That's the logical conclusion. And in this message today, I really want us just to be intellectually honest. Maybe you're wrestling. Maybe you have wrestled. So quickly, what do we wrestle with? For many of us, we wrestle with not so much God, but with people who practice their faith. Many people who reject God, they don't reject God for God. They reject God for the church. They reject God because of churches and the way priests or pastors have practiced their faith. They reject God for other people that they see who are practicing that religion. So they reject God because they're rejecting Christians. Others reject God because of what they thought or were taught about God. Maybe you have wrestled with what you thought or were taught about God. And so I would encourage you today for a moment, I want to encourage you to reject many of the gods that you thought of or were taught of. Let me give you an example. That might be strange to sit in an environment. I'm saying, yeah, hey, let's together become a little more atheistic in our views of gods. Maybe you thought that the Christian God was a Santa Claus God who answers every prayer. He's a wish giver. And so every time you pray, you expected God to answer your prayers. And then one day he didn't answer your prayers and you stopped believing in God very much like you stopped believing in Santa Claus. Let me agree with you that if you've rejected that God, good, he deserves to be rejected because he doesn't exist. He is also not the Christian God. We do not believe in a wish-making, wish-giving God. Others of you, you believe, and maybe you grew up believing that God only lets good things happen to good people. And God would never allow bad things to happen. And then bad things happened. And now you carry pain and suffering in your life. And then you wrestled with the existence of God because you thought God would not allow bad things to happen. Bad things happen. Therefore, there is no God. Let me encourage you and agree with you. I've rejected that God as well because the Bible rejects that notion of God. That is not the God Christians believe in. Maybe others of you, you, you heard about, you were taught, God is the antithesis of science. God hates academics. God doesn't want you to study. God doesn't want you to ask questions. God doesn't want you to read other books beside the Bible. God is insecure about study. God is scared of science. And maybe you've, you're a little bit more uh, hungry for learning. And so as a result, you've started to wrestle with your faith because you felt like it was antithetical to science and academia. I want you to know that God is not sitting up in heaven, wringing his hands, worried that you're going to discover his non-existence. God is not insecure about science. And so if you've rejected that God, good, the Bible also rejects that God. And then finally, maybe, the, and, and there's probably a lot of wrong versions of God, but maybe the last one I think is most prevalent within the church is the guilt-giving, fear-mongering God who controls and manipulates, uses the legalistic rules to keep people in line. And you've rejected that because you thought that's, I don't like that God, or that, that's not a good God, and, and so you've walked away from that God, and I want to challenge you that, good, that's not the real God. 
That's not consistent with what we study as Christians and believe through the word of God. And so what do you do? Maybe you've rejected God because of what you were taught or thought about God. Maybe, maybe you have friends or peers or maybe you're wrestling because of the way other people practice their religion or what other people, the way they live out their faith or what you've seen in the church by pastors or priests or other people who claim faith. So let's go back to this thought that if you move away from one thing, you are moving towards something else. What are you moving toward? And, and maybe you are a passionate believer. Well, then good. I want to make sure you know what others think. And if you're wrestling right now, and maybe you are leaning away from faith, or maybe you have friends or family who are leaning away from faith, then what are they moving toward? And so I, I didn't make this up on my own. I'm not that brilliant. I did a lot of reading. And there's two books I really pulled from to get. And what I want to do is give you for a moment the basic tenets of being a non-believer. All right, let, let, is that fair? So it's kind of strange to come into church and then we have a conversation about what it means to not believe in God. But let's just do this, right? Because there's a lot of people who would say that believing in God, the Christian God, there are some unsettling truths. Like the whole idea of hell is unsettling. And so certain people reject Christianity because it has some unsettling truths about it. And so, okay, fine. That doesn't make it wrong. It just means it's unsettling. Well, let's come over here. And as I read these books, I've said, well, these are also unsettling. And you can't move away from one, from one without moving toward. And so two books that I'm really drawing from, these are the, the most brilliant writers uh, of atheism. We're called New Atheism. These are uh, New York Times bestselling authors. Actually, these two books were on the New York Times bestselling list. The first one um, written by Christopher Hitchens called God is Not Dead. Uh, God is not good, how religion poisons everything. The second is Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion. Maybe you've heard of these books. Maybe you've heard people reference these books. If you take them, they're basically, they lay out a treatise on what it means to not believe in God. So here are the tenets of what you have to accept if you do not believe in God. And so I'm gonna quickly go through this for you. Uh, I'm gonna, I, probably what I should do is post this stuff so you can have access to it if you wanna go back and reference it because I'm gonna move pretty quickly here. So here it is. Uh, first one is, again, six points about what you believe if you don't believe in God. First is mind is matter. You've heard the phrase like mind over matter. There's not mind over matter. It's matter over mind because the mind is a myth. You are very much a compilation of molecules that have just randomly formed. You are very much like a squirrel. I'm not being condescending. Well, yes, I am being condescending. Um, if God does not exist, then we are all just members of this cosmic accident that formed, and there is no reason behind the form. And if there is no reason, and you are just put together, there is nothing other about you. Meaning, you're a human being, but you are not a person. A person in the way you think the way you believe, meaning there's nothing other about you. There's nothing separate about you. There's no personality. You are a combination of the firing of chemicals and synapses at work in your body. You are very much like a squirrel. A squirrel does what it does by instinct. A squirrel doesn't have a, an awareness like you and I think, something other than, right? So you think you have a mind that is other than attached to your body. No, your mind is an illusion. It's a myth if there is no God. 
Right along with that, uh, not only is your mind is, is mind is matter, values have no value. So values are only what the community of people agree has value, very much like gold, right? So gold only has value because we ascribe value to it. So as a result, if this whole thing is a cosmic accident, there is no reason or design behind it, then life itself has no value. When a tree falls to the ground, you know, environmentalists might get really upset because there goes a little bit of source of oxygen. But in reality, we don't have like a funeral. We're not going to grieve over the death of a tree. We're not going to, you know, some of us happily kill mosquitoes this time of year. And there's no deep sense of value to that mosquito. Well, if you are no different than a squirrel or a mosquito, then your life has no value. Your children have no value. They're not even worth fighting for. Your parents, your friends, your marriage, that baby in the womb has no value. It's no more significant or less significant than a mosquito. And as a result, you have no values that matter. They, they matter in the sense of the survival of community, but outside of simply our survival, your values have no value. Okay, let's keep going here. This has to be the case. By the way, again, this isn't me saying this. This isn't me attacking this way of thinking. This is me saying, reading from these two books, saying this is what they're saying. You have to believe. These are the leading, most brilliant atheists saying this. Third would be justice is just what you want it to be. Now, I didn't coin that phrase. I borrowed that from Andy Stanley, a pastor preacher who was writing about this idea of justice from God versus justice that comes from the world we live in. And he said, justice is just what you want it to be if there is no God, meaning many people would argue about what is right and wrong. They would argue about what is truth, what is not truth, what is fake, what is real. But most people universally throughout history have agreed on what is just. And if you don't believe in God, then you have to believe that that is simply a product of evolution. That people universally agree on what is just as a result of some evolutionary trend. But the reality is there is no sense of justice. So when you say that's not fair, when you read about from history about what Hitler did or what other dictators and murderers and people who committed incredible acts of genocide or people in our own society who are doing all kinds of heinous crimes and you think that's not just or they deserve justice or we should stand up against injustice, that is just fabricated. It's an illusion. It's a myth. We've created a sense of justice. Finally, number four is we have no choice. Now, this one takes a little a moment to unpack, but let me just basically lay it out for you. If this whole world is a cosmic accident, but as it formed, what took shape with this matter coming into existence were laws, laws that govern everything, right? Laws of physics, laws of uh, biology, laws of chemistry, and law, the laws of science govern every aspect of our life. They govern the reason why the earth revolves around the sun, right? The earth doesn't choose to revolve around the sun. It just does what it was predetermined to do by the laws of science. As in a similar way, a squirrel doesn't necessarily choose to go get a, a nut, 
a squirrel gets a nut by instinct driven by the laws at work in its scientific makeup. You similarly do not have free will. You do what the laws of science prescribe for you and predetermined for you to do. In essence, you are just part of a cosmic machine at work governing your life. You are only obeying the laws of science. And so you are yielded constantly to uh, what you're being told to do and free will is an illusion or a myth. Now, when you start playing this out, let's keep going here. Number five, these last two are gonna be really obvious. I'm gonna move quickly through them. Uh, These are the ones that probably most of you would immediately jump to. And that is, uh, if there is no God, then everything came from nothing. All matter came from no matter. Suddenly, regardless of how you view this coming into existence, you have to believe that all matter came instantly and suddenly from no matter. And then that leads to the next way of thinking, which is um, all life came from no life. Everything just suddenly came to life or at least a life suddenly came into existence from non-life. Now, by me outlining those, that doesn't necessarily in of itself prove that it's wrong. It just simply is an outline of saying these are some of the unsettling realities or beliefs you have to accept if you don't accept the reality of God. And here is, I went through that list for this reason. This is what I want to give you. All assumptions require faith. So you might think faith is reserved to the realm of religion, to the realm of Christianity, to the realm of belief in God. But this is not the case. All assumptions require a level of faith and adherence and allegiance to unprovable beliefs. You have to believe by faith that everything came from nothing and all life came from non-life. You have to believe by faith that life has no value or significance. There are no values. There, are, there is no sense of justice and you are not a person. That accept, that requires faith. Now, the alternative, meaning where else can you go then? Maybe you're wrestling with your faith. Maybe you find believing in Jesus to be very challenging. Maybe you find your faith in God to be difficult because you live in a difficult world. Good, then this letter written to the Hebrew church is something and a letter that you can really relate to because the letter to the Hebrews, in your Bible is something called Hebrews, was written to a group of people that had converted from Judaism to Christianity and now they were being murdered. Their houses were being taken from them. They were losing their jobs. And the author of Hebrews wrote it to encourage them to say, hey, you're not alone. There's been a lot of people who believed in God, but wrestled with their belief because of the circumstances swirling around them. And so he wrote this in Hebrews chapter 11. He wants to give them a list of all of these people who believe in God and the way they lived when they believed in God. And so he opens up Hebrews chapter 11 with this simple statement. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. In contrast to the antithesis of of faith, which is having no hope. Being sure of hopelessness. And certain we're having the evidence of what we do not see. And so he makes this statement. He goes, look, to those of you that are struggling, who are wrestling with the circumstances around you, who are struggling with your faith, here's what I want to encourage you with. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And this immediately implicates itself or implies the way you live. It changes everything about the way you live if you posit faith in God. Okay, so here's the big idea. Here's what I want you to take away. Live by faith in God. You are going to live by faith in something. 
You're going to live by faith, either in God or the non-existence of God. Either way is going to require faith, is going to create a philosophy of living, and is going to develop into a lifestyle. Your choice, your challenge, and what I would put in front of you today is live by faith in God. Now, all of us would love what results from that. Life has value. Life is created by the design of God. Life is significant. Your marriage, your family, your friends, your children are all significant and imprinted into every one of us is the DNA of God. Therefore, your life is valuable and your life has meaning and purpose. And that sounds exciting, except it's impossible to live like that. Because in every one of us, the moment we were conceived and we came into this world, we came into this world already corrupted. If you believe in a Christian God, if you believe in the Bible, then you have to believe that what the Bible says and what, the, what, we, what we learn is that inserted in every being, a spiritual cancer cell called sin that corrupted us from the very beginning, that leaves us separated from God. Sin is what is at work in all of us, wrecking relationships, wrecking our thinking, wrecking our emotions, at work destroying the world around us. Sin, which is what leaves us feeling separated from God, wondering if God exists. Sin is the result, or what sin produces is this doubt and this struggle. Without sin, the first man and woman they saw God. They, interact. they didn't require faith to follow God. But sin corrupted relationship with God and forces us now to wonder and struggle. Okay, so God refused to leave us forever separated from him on a crash course trajectory with eternal judgment. So God intervened in our story by becoming one of us. He came into our broken sinful world to reintroduce himself to us. So what do you do with this God? Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, he writes this. And without faith, it is impossible to please, to please God because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists. And so what do you do with that? Believe that God is real. It actually is faith. You can believe that he is not real and that's gonna require you to take hold of a certain list of tenets, moving away from one toward the other, or you choose by faith to believe that God is real. So here's what I'm saying. You don't have faith in faith. You don't have faith in a God or in a montage of gods. You don't get to pick and choose your pieces of religion. When you come to God and you believe that God is real, you have to accept. So I'm presenting this obviously from a Christian perspective. I'm saying you and I, we don't get to make up God. If God can be made up, then God is not real. I am saying you and I have to choose the way God revealed himself to us. He revealed himself through history, through the story of mankind, and then had it written out in 66 books compiled together in what we call the Bible. And so then we say, okay, who is God as revealed through the word of God? So I don't have faith in faith. I don't have faith in religion. I don't have faith in the church. I don't have faith in pastors who tell me who God is. I don't have faith in the way other Christians live out their faith. I have faith in God as revealed through his word as demonstrated through Jesus Christ coming to earth, Jesus Christ comes to earth to take the collective punishment that was put on every one of us because of sin. 
our eternal death sentence. He took the judgment of sin, the curse of sin, the suffering of sin, and he put it on himself so that when he died, he died once for all, forever paying the spiritual debt we owe God. So when we believe in Jesus by faith, we are forgiven of our sins, we are given new life because faith invites God's spirit to reunite with our spirits, what is eternal and invisible entering into our eternal invisible spirit. The reason why people who are separated from God feel like there is nothing other than the material is because their spirit man is dead. But when you believe in God by faith, God's spirit ignites and resurrects the spirit man in you. Now you become truly and eternally alive. So in many ways, they are right that there is nothing otherworldly about them because the spirit man, while it exists, exists in a separated from God state. All right, so when we believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit enters into our spirit, we're forgiven of sin, he gives us new life, which means this, God did all the work. You can never earn it, you can never deserve it, there's nothing more you can add to it, you simply accept God's salvation by faith. You don't have to work for it, you don't earn it, you just simply say, God, I believe in you by faith and I receive your gift of forgiveness and new life which means the only action that creates a transaction in the economy of God is faith. We don't believe in something, we believe in someone, the person of Jesus Christ. I don't believe in religion, I don't believe in what people say, I believe in the person of Jesus Christ. My faith is in the person of Jesus who revealed himself on earth, died on a cross, rose again, ascended back into heaven, and I'm putting my faith in God who forgives me and loves me. And I don't believe in some generic, distant, faraway God. I believe in a God who is intimately at work in the lives of the people around him, who created all things, yet lives uncreated, who is sovereign over all of history, who is all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, and yet all loving and all good. Okay, and so what, what does this do? This implies itself in the way I live and in what I believe. It develops a philosophical way of approaching life. What I mean by that is it changes how you think about the world around you. Here is then fundamentally what we believe. God created all things. God who is and always was created everything that is. God who is life created life. Life didn't just spring into existence by a cosmic accident. God, who is life, produced life. And not only did he produce life, but he created human life. And when he created human life, he marked it with his image. God put his spirit and he put his image into mankind, which means human beings are altogether separate and different from all other creation because we have the image of God in us. We have the spirit of God at work in us. We have an eternal aspect of who we are, which means you are valuable. Life is valuable, human life is precious, the unborn human life is precious, the dying human life is precious, the, old, the, the elder who is, who is in the process of dying with some uh, life-threatening disease, their life is precious, has value. Okay, if our life has value, and then God also decides what is valuable. He defines and ascribes value. He defines and ascribes values. And so then we live according to the values of God. Then we also believe that God is just and the author of justice. That justice exists outside of what the world around us says. Justice was imprinted into our spiritual DNA by God, and therefore we simply 
yield to this intrinsic justice. We don't know why we think this way. We don't know why we all agree that this is unjust or that is just, but God placed it into us because he is the author of justice and he writes it into our spirits. When we understand that, It changes how we live by faith. So I want to challenge you. You don't earn. You don't deserve. You simply accept by faith, believe by faith. It transforms how you view yourself. It transforms how you view the world around you. It transforms how you live by faith, believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he can forgive you of sin, invite you to be reunited in relationship with God, and then that implies itself on how you live every day. So now you can begin to live by faith, but here here is the conundrum. Here's the challenge. There there are groups of people who are, they're nons. They're moving away from religion towards something else, but they don't even want to talk about what they're moving toward. And I outline for you what they're moving toward. Then there are people who say, yeah, absolutely. I reject God. I reject religion. I am an atheist. But then there's this whole other group of people. And really, if I were to speak to anybody, I would be speaking to this group. And that would be practical atheists. You believe in God. You even believe in Jesus. You've come to church. Maybe you grew up going to church. You just don't live like it. Maybe you're a Christian atheist. You believe in the Christian God. You believe in Jesus. You believe that he died on a cross and he rose again. It just hasn't changed how you think. He hasn't changed the way you live. Believing in God has not transformed your philosophy or your lifestyle which is why the author continues. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. He doesn't just say that you have to believe that he exists. He goes like this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he's real, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we believe that God is real, and we believe that God is a rewarder. Now that right there is what changes us from practical or Christian atheists into passionate believers in a God that is real and a God that rewards. How does that change the way I live? What it means is this, I don't live, I don't believe in God, but then live like he doesn't exist. I believe in God and live like he exists because I know that I am not living for the temporary. I am living for the eternal. I know that there is an eternal element to who I am that will not die in death, but that death will end in new life. I live by faith and I am willing to trust God and obey God, not for what I can get out of it in this lifetime, not for any rewards I will get in this moment, but for who God is. I simply trust him and obey him with the confidence that when I die, I will meet him in eternity and I am looking forward to the rewards of eternity. See, that shapes your thinking, that shapes your sacrifice, that shapes your generosity, that shapes the way you parent, that shapes who you date and why you date, that shapes the way you work, the way you give, the way you serve, the way you love. Because if you're doing it only for the immediate, only for the rewards right now, then you may as well be an atheist. But if you're willing to say, I believe in God, and I believe that my belief in God should shape how I live, then I believe that God is a rewarder and I'm going to live like it by faith, trusting that every moment God is aware of everything I'm doing. I'm not driven by guilt. I'm driven by his goodness. I'm not driven by fear. I am driven by faith. And so I'm going to give my life following the model of Jesus Christ, knowing that I will be rewarded in eternity. Now, now I want to challenge you. Here's what this looks like. This means that you don't define or decide who God is, but what your life is like, 
or by what the life of others around you is like, by what the church is like or what other Christians are like. You understand who God is by who God is, what he is like. Faith is not defined by or determined by Christians around you that believe in God. They are simply an illustration or an example of how God has changed other people's lives, as imperfect as their lives are. No, we believe in God by faith because we trust and obey him. That's it. Believing that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that earnestly seek him. And so I want to invite you to respond right now. You're here and maybe you've been moving, you've been moving away from and now you're going, I don't want to move toward that. I want to come back this way. Hey, that's okay. God is a God who loves and forgives, who offers new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to him. Maybe you've been doing church, but you're living as a Christian atheist. Maybe you've been just going through the motions, but today you're saying, you know what? I need to make that commitment. God, I can't do this on my own. Give me faith. Others of you, you've been, you believe in Jesus, but you're not living like it. So I want to give you a moment right now to pause. We believe that God is present here. God is his spirit, which is eternal and invisible, is at work in our hearts and lives. And I want to invite you to simply respond. First in prayer, just quietly stilling your heart and saying, God, speak to me. Would you do that right now? Holy Spirit, would you come? Speak to my heart. I need you, but I can't do this on my own. Give me faith. And there are some of you, would you just continue to keep your eyes closed and would you continue to pray? There are some of you, you're saying that right now. God, give me faith. I have struggled with whether I believe in you. I have struggled with whether to give my life to you. Maybe you are watching online and that's the place where you're at right now. And, and you're making that decision. You're saying, God, give me faith. For those of you that that's where you're at right now, you're, you're making a decision to shift from going away from God to coming toward God. And you're saying, God, give me faith. If that's where you're at, we want to invite you to raise your hand high and say, yes, that's me right now. Give me faith. God, I give my life to you. I'm willing to believe in you by faith. I'm willing to accept this by faith. For those of you that are raising your hand, if you're online with us, you're going to let somebody know that you're making that decision. I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, you love us, and we believe by faith that you came to earth, died on a cross, rose again for us. We believe you by faith. Now, God, would you come? Would you forgive sin? Would you wash us and would you make us new? Would you transform our life? And would you raise to life those that have raised their hand? Would you raise them to spiritual life, forgiving them of sin and giving them destiny and purpose? We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.